Hello, folks. This is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is Fantasy Football Fridays. So what do we generally do on Fantasy Football Fridays? I go over the upcoming week's schedule. I give you my top 10 rankings or top 15, depending on the position. I also give you kind of my uh, must-starts, the guys that I think will overachieve their projected levels on most major sites, my must-sits, the guys that I think won't do as well, and I just kind of give you a general overview of my expectations for the upcoming week. Now, this is the preseason edition of the show. This is the first episode of season two, so it's going to be a little different, and by the way, also we're not recording on uh, Friday. So we're going to get back into that cadence of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, this upcoming week. But early in this season, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. So let's go ahead and be honest. Life got in the way. But I still want to get you out some preseason stuff so you all could listen. Hopefully it helps you out with your drafts because I know a lot of drafts that have not happened yet are happening this week, uh, tomorrow night and Wednesday to get ready for the Thursday game. Again, this is Labor Day. So this is September 5th that we're recording this. For those of you all who are new to the show, uh, the best place to follow me for football-related content is on Twitter. Uh, My handle is at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out, and the number nine. So on this particular show, being the preseason show, I gave you an early outlook to end season one. Basically, about a month and a half ago, I gave you my early outlook on uh, different preseason rankings, just gut feeling based on, you know, new coaching staffs player movement, uh, what I understood to be how players set uh, with certain organizations. But, you know, things have changed since then. Uh, Camps have happened. Preseason games have happened. And now we are literally less than 72 hours away from the kickoff of the NFL season. So what I'm going to do on this show, I'm going to give you some overviews by position, going with quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Even defensive special teams. I'm also going to give you some things to know. Basically, when you go into a draft, whether you are a seasoned veteran and you just need a refresher or you're new to the game, because for me, this is a fun game. I like to get people involved in this game of fantasy football because I think it helps you gamify football. What do I mean by that? Basically, it gives you the chance to learn more about people who you might not know. Virtually everyone knows who Tom Brady is, right? Or Patrick Mahomes. But not enough people know about guys like, I'll just put a name out there, uh, Darnell Mooney or Christian Kirk. So this game gives you the opportunity to learn some of those names and just get more familiar with that. This is not real football by design. It is fantasy football. It gives you the opportunity to be a GM of a team on whatever scale you like. So, that's why I'm doing this show. But, like I said, going to start getting out more consistent content um, on Fridays each week to try to give you what you need from a fantasy perspective. So, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump in. And we're going to go in order of kind of how things are lined up for um, if you're looking at a fantasy page. If you're looking at a generic fantasy page, it's usually quarterbacks are at the top, then running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Then there's sometimes a flex option, which is usually a running back, wide receiver, tight end. Then there's defense and special teams. And for some leagues, kickers. I don't rank kickers personally. Nothing against them. I think they're super important in real football and fantasy football. Not as much, at least in my opinion. 
And then I'll also, if I have some time left on the show, I'll just give you an overview of some of the drafts I've done already. I know you all have no general interest in the drafts that I've done, but why I'm going to do it is just to give you kind of a mindset how I think about different draft types. I'm in different types of leagues. Um, I think it's 10 now. One of the leagues didn't end up coming through, so I'm in 10 leagues now. Whether it's what's become kind of the standard of PPR leagues, where you get one point each reception that a player has, or quote-unquote half PPR leagues, which is literally that. You get a half a point for each reception. What used to be called standard leagues, but are now non-PPR leagues, for better definition, where there's no points rewarded for a player catching a pass. Or IDP leagues, which is an individual defensive player. So you have a defensive player instead of just an entire defense like the New Orleans Saints or Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, you'll have a player from a specific defense like Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints or like Levante David for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So yeah, that's that's the reason I'm going to give them to you again. I know you all don't really care about my particular fancy football leagues, but I want to give you all just an overview of kind of the approaches that I used in each of those drafts and tell you when the draft occurred so you get kind of a baseline for understanding. So here are my quarterback rankings. I'm going to give you a top 10 and then kind of cherry pick from there to give you an overview. This is the highest scoring position virtually in most drafts. Unless you're playing in a PPR league, where it's full PPR and also four points for a touchdown for a quarterback passing touchdown. Quarterbacks are generally going to score the most points. That does not mean that they're the most important people, but they are generally thought of as the most important people because they're faces of franchises. So here's my quarterback ranking. Now, I'll give you a base of what I'm using here. I'm using what I call general scoring. It's one point every 25 passing yards, okay? Six points per passing touchdown, negative two for an interception. There's a lot of other point scoring systems that go in there, whether you do, um, you get a full point every 25 yards, like I described. So if you get 24 yards, you don't get a point. Or they do it where it's, you know, incremental. So each yard is a percentage of that 25 points, if that makes sense. So, that's the way I'm doing these rankings. And for the rest of the rankings, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, I'm going to be doing full PPR rankings because most leagues are set to full PPR. Okay? So with the quarterbacks, my number one guy is Josh Allen. You know, I went back and forth. I waffled. I had a few guys move up, down, left, right, AB select start. Um, but Josh Allen ended up as my number one guy, I think that he just has more opportunity based on how that team is positioned. They don't believe in running the ball uh, from the running back position as often. So Josh Allen's going to get ample opportunity to be a fantasy rock star. So he's my number one guy. Not far behind is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is that guy. Even when he had struggles last year, it probably affected a lot of players. And I still think he finished like sixth in fantasy scoring because sixth is horrible for Patrick Mahomes. That's how good he is. Number three, Lamar Jackson. There's a lot of talk of Justin Herbert being number three, and I understand that. But I think there's a level of devaluing that is happening with Lamar Jackson where people are just forgetting how good he is when A, he's definitely healthy, but B, he has regular NFL players and not people who are being called up off the street. 
Yes, those people are more talented at football than the vast majority of people playing fantasy football, obviously. But compared to their their contemporaries, they're not on par. Lamar Jackson is that guy. He affects both sides of the ball, whether it's running the ball, passing the ball, and I think he's going to have a stellar year. My number four guy is Justin Herbert. He is the consensus number three guy in a lot of uh, places. Not for me. He doesn't add value with his legs. He's not as good of a of a point scorer as a guy like Patrick Mahomes who has less value with his legs. Or, like I said, he doesn't rush or add more value with his legs like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. That's why he's number four. Number five is going to be Jalen Hurts here. Jalen Hurts to me, and people have scoffed at it, laughed at that, laughed at it. I think he is on pace based on everything. It literally looks like the, bl- the blueprint that was used for Josh Allen. Year three, give you a number one wide receiver. Uh, give you a stronger uh, full team. <laughs> I I mean, it, it almost looks exactly like Josh Allen. Year two, made the playoffs. Didn't look great in the playoff game. Made a lot of mistakes. It should end the same way from a fantasy perspective where he's going to end up being in the top three or four. I'm hedging here and putting him at number five, though I think he has the opportunity to be the number one overall scoring player in fantasy football this year. Very similar. Again, they don't even run the ball consistently. <laughs> it's it's uh, with the running back. It's really weird. The, the parallels are really weird. My number six guy is going to be Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a guy who adds value with his legs, but he's a better passer than you might think. He does attempt a lot of passes. Fantasy football is based on opportunity and talent. He'll have the opportunity, and he definitely has the talent. My number seven guy is a guy who he's just not going to go away. That's Tom Brady. Until he shows me that he's not worth the time or effort, Tom Brady is going to be ranked fairly high. He adds virtually nothing with his legs, but he's going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to be efficient, effective, and probably throw a lot of touchdowns. Expect him to get between 35 and 40 touchdowns passing this year. My number eight guy is Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott gets disrespected every year, year after year, and still ends up in the top five of fantasy football as a quarterback every freaking year. It's actually hilarious. But again, with the issues on the offensive line, I had to move Dak Prescott down. I was going to have him higher. But, again, issues on the offensive line, Dak Prescott might not produce at the same level as the guys above him. My number nine guy is Russell Wilson. Some people think he's fallen off, but I just think that he's no longer able to be the young guy that runs around in circles. What do I mean? Do you believe that Russell Wilson is just going to stop being good at football or can't progress to be a different type of player? For those people who believe that, I don't like you. Literally, I don't like you. Because... We've watched every other player. We watched a dude who literally, that's his game. He was known for being exciting. Become an MVP because he changed his game. And Randall Cunningham. So you're going to tell me Russell Wilson, who's still not of a certain age, um, won't be able to change some of his game around? I think he played a lot of hero ball in Seattle. He won't have to with a more talented roster here in Denver. Number 10 guy is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, there's a lot of talk about I think three of his games accounted for one third of his uh, fantasy points, 32% or whatever it is. How about this? I think that's accurate. But at the same point in time, because it's factual, he was still coming off of a shredded knee to start the season last year and finally caught on. I think he's going to be a better version or upgraded version to Matt Stafford, which puts him at about 10th. Number 11 is a guy that might surprise you, considering that I have not said a lot of great things about him, but it's never personal. It's mostly just because of him showing up in big moments. And that's Kirk Cousins. Cousins 
if you think about it like this, that offense that Cousins is likely going to run was run effectively by Jared Goff, who was a solid fantasy football quarterback. Uh, you know, low teens, you know, 12, 13, uh, 13, 14, right in that range. And Jared Goff is quote unquote a joke. Not to me personally, but he's a joke. Kirk Cousins is better than Jared Goff. Guess what? Kirk Cousins was a viable fantasy quarterback finishing, I think, 11, 12th or 13th. One of those spots in the last three years. Okay? So he should improve. 11 is probably a little too low for him, but I'm hedging here again. And then I'm going to do 12 because I just feel like it. 12th is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to still be Aaron Rodgers. He's still going to throw the ball well. He's still going to complete a lot of passes. He's still going to be efficient and not turn the ball over. And as a floor QB1, he can make sure you don't lose your week. So there's a lot of guys underneath, you know, cherry picking here. I think Derek Carr, who I have ranked 15th, could really have a breakthrough here, throwing the ball quite a bit. He can make things happen. Ranked 19th here. 18th and 19th, actually, I want to talk about Jameis Winston at 18th. I have a lot of faith in Jameis Winston and what he's going to do. He's going to push the ball down the field. That's what he does. And Tua Tagovailoa, again, they gave him requisite parts and actually made an offense that's catered to him. So we'll see what happens there. And the last guy I want to cherry pick is at 24th. This is actually Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson has the requisite talent and talent around him to have a breakout this year. I don't trust it yet. And plus, he was already injured to start the season. So I have to see it, but keep an eye on Zach Wilson. He is a flyer to take. If you take like a Mahomes or someone like that early, if you want to take a flyer in the 16th round of your draft, take Zach Wilson because you won't have to depend on him. And by the time that you would even consider using him, it would be a situation where he's already blown up and now he's just sitting on your roster as possible trade bait. Moving on to the next position, the running back position. This is a position that is constantly in flux. Um, I've done these scatter charts and I'm willing to put them out and discuss how different positions look. You know, um, as an example, quarterback is one of those, like if you don't grab early, you rest on your laurels and you grab late. Running back, if you don't grab early, you rest on your laurels because you can't. And then you take flyers late. Wide receiver is up and down depending on the round that you're drafting in. Tight end, it looks a lot like quarterback, but even more aggressive in nature so running back this year is an interesting one based on everything the obvious uh player number one at running back is jonathan taylor i don't like when it's obvious because it's almost never obvious whenever people tell you the clear-cut number one guy is this person based on the season they had the year prior guess what they end up like michael thomas or they end up like christian mccaffrey or something happens whether it's injury based or just opportunity Maybe people were aware of you now, so they stacked the box a little more. Whatever it may be, depending on your position. But anyway, I too have ranked Jonathan Taylor number one. And the major reason is because Jonathan Taylor has an opportunity that other people don't have other than Derrick Henry. He is going to be on a run-first offense that also has an offensive line that's built well for his skill set. Ta-da! Combined with, even in a PPR format, expect this. You had Carson Wentz as a quarterback last year. With all due respect to Carson Wentz, he was more of a vertical guy. And Matt Ryan is willing to take the check down. I think Jonathan Taylor might have a career high in uh, receptions this year, which would help in PPR formats. Number two guy is Christian McCaffrey. I was asked actually by multiple people because now I have, uh, I'm now in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, so they're like, oh, 
you know, what do you think of Christian McCaffrey or other players on the Panthers? And my response is, he's Christian freaking McCaffrey. Like, I don't know how else to put it, except this dude on a points per game basis is a stud. He's better than Jonathan Taylor on Jonathan Taylor's virtual best days. You know, Christian McCaffrey averages in a PPR format like 25 points a game. Might even be a little higher than that. And that's just insane. So Christian McCaffrey's number two here, and it is literally only because he's been injured so much over the last two years. I don't think that's going to be the issue this year. I think less usage, but still a lot of effectiveness. And speaking of less usage, but effectiveness, that's my number three guy. PPR format, it's Austin Eckler. He is a guy who's not going to get that bulk load of carries and receptions. He doesn't want him, apparently. He's been verbal about that. That's the difference between Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, there's also a talent gap, whether or not you all want to get mad at me. But, and yes, Christian McCaffrey is better than Austin Eckler, but Austin Eckler is super efficient, and it's because he's utilized and kept fresh. Christian McCaffrey, I think, will have a little bit more of that Austin Eckler role this year, a little fresher, not getting 20 carries and, and 10 targets a game. So let's hope that that's the case. My number four guy is a guy who, if you got an early draft, you probably got him at a discount and a steal, and that's Alvin Kamara. He is going to rock it out this year. Um, The NFL apparently is not going to suspend him unless it's like at the 11th hour. Um, They're probably going to wait for the legal case to play out. I actually don't have any time to talk about that because I don't know more than if you feel like seeing the... If you feel like looking at the pictures, go for it. What I'll say is this. Just don't mess with people. Don't talk crap to them. Psst. Might not end well for you. Didn't end well for that guy. Uh, so, Alvin Kamara um, is fourth on this list. No, he's not going to have the 81 receptions that he was averaging in the last couple of years with Drew Brees, but 50 is in the realm of possibility, even with Jameis Winston, because they will use some of the screen game and things like that. Or drop down, drop-offs are just easy. I mean... That's three receptions a game if he plays all 17 games. So the next guy, number five, is Derrick Henry. Okay, there's a lot of conversation about Derrick Henry falling off and all this, and it's quite possible. We've seen it just hit you quickly, especially at running back. Derrick Henry is a lot like Tom Brady. He defies what you think is possible. Not exactly like Tom Brady. Maybe the foot injury, the Liz Frank last year, was was an indicator of what's coming in the future. But to be honest, he looked better in his return than Cam Akers looked in his return. Obviously, different injuries, but one guy is like 23 years old. The other guy is close to 30. So, Derrick Henry is number five. He's got to show me that he's terrible before I, I knock him down further than this. Number six is Delvin Cook. Again, having an offense where you're going to have Kirk Cousins, more boot action, things like that. There might be an opportunity for Dalvin Cook to be utilized in the passing game as much as he has been in the past, but even more. And just a better run scheme for him, uh, given how it's going to be designed, hopefully. Number seven is Najee Harris. Najee Harris is going to be a volume monster. He was last year. I think he led all running backs in uh, touches last year. And I think that can happen again this year. So why not give me the opportunity? The line is not in good shape. But they have an upgraded quarterback from the perspective that at least both quarterbacks are mobile. That's a big deal. Um, so Najee Harris is here. Uh, I had a much higher to start, but lowered him down because I don't think he has nearly as many receptions as he had last year. Joe Mixon is number eight. 
being in a really good offense. This is just a safe play. I think he has the the thinnest uh, range of outcomes. I think he'll finish no higher than seven, but I think he finishes low, no, no lower than 10th. He's right in this range. That's why I have him at eighth. DeAndre Swift is at ninth. I don't think he gets nearly as many receptions or drop-offs. I think he gets a lot more carries, though, in this offense. They have upgraded weapons at wide receiver, and they also, just in general, I think they're starting to trust themselves more. Uh, Detroit was very safe last year, including Jared Goff. I think even Jared Goff will be less safe this upcoming year. And then number 10 is going to be Leonard Fournette. Fournette is going to be utilized. I know that there was talks of inefficiency, and yes, he looked terrible coming into camp. But he got into shape real quick. Cool. And guess what? In a PPR format, you know who should be the beneficiary of Tom Brady not having time to throw the ball? Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette could have 65 to 70 receptions this year based on the fact that Tom Brady's offensive line is not in great shape. And in PPR formats, drop-offs to running backs are gold, especially guys who get goal line touches. PPR formats have let guys like Naheem Hines or James White in the past or J.D. McKissick be valuable options as flex options on your bench where they wouldn't be in non-PPR leagues. A couple of guys to mention. Um, Saquon is actually at that fringe. He's at 11. Uh, He could have a big breakout year, but honestly, I am very leery of Saquon and it's not Saquon. It is Daniel Jones. And it has been Daniel Jones. Sorry, if you don't have a threat at quarterback and you have a mediocre offensive line with a new head coach, there is an opportunity for you to be stifled as a player. Um, conversation piece, Zeke Elliott at 15th. I just think Zeke Elliott is going to be an effective player. The fact that he looked decent with a sprained PCL all season is remarkable. I know you all think he's cash and he's done. I don't think he's Zeke anymore, but Zeke was also a guaranteed top two pick or top three at worst. I'm at 15th. Uh, AJ Dillon, I'm at 19th. Look, in this particular match uh, situation, I think that they're going to run the ball more. I even made a side bet with someone that uh, is in one of my fantasy football leagues and basically said, I think he gets roughly 60% of the running back touches. Like running back carries, I should say. I think he is a lead back on the ground, and he'll even get some work in the passing game. And the last guy that I want to mention is actually, excuse me, um, Travis Etienne at 23. I don't think Travis Etienne is going to have the, the the full carry load or anything like that. I think James um, James Robinson will get some of those, but I also think that he will be utilized in a lot of odd scenarios. He'll be in the slot for no apparent reason with Christian Kirk in the other slot while James Robinson's in the backfield and they'll do, you know, little tap passes and things like that. They'll get him the ball in space to just utilize the talent that he has. All right, we're going to move over to the wide receiver position here, folks. And we're going to start with the one of one. Now, it's very easy to rank the guy who had, you know, one of the best fantasy seasons in recent history at number one, I wholeheartedly believe he won't be number one this season. I think it will be Justin Jefferson. Opportunity, I think, having a younger version of Cooper Cup be in the offense that Cooper Cup was running with a quarterback who's not going to try to go downfield as much in this offense, so he'll probably hit the slot guy more often. I think Justin Jefferson will play that role. I think that he'll end up with 115 receptions for about 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns. That's an excellent season. It's not a Cooper Cup season, but that's good enough to lead the league 
in fantasy points at the wide receiver position. But speaking of Cooper Cup, he's at number two. I still think he's going to have a fall-off season because everyone does. But at the same point in time, it's hard to doubt a dude who, you know, back in the day when I spoke with him, I was very honest about this. Dude was a four-time All-American in college. He was the dude that when he played against FCF opponents, played well. But when he played against FBS opponents, usually Pac-12 teams, he destroyed them for 200-plus yards a game. He's done the same thing in the NFL. Um, Whether I've had conversations with people who I trust their opinion on football because they're very knowledgeable. Uh, One of my guys, Gene Clemens, we were having this conversation about who was the number one receiver on the team. And I think we both were right. I think it was 1A and 1A when Robert Woods was still healthy. He thought Robert Woods was the, the number one receiver. I thought Cooper Cup was. But both arguments were accurate because both guys functioned as the number one dude. It was... They were a perfect complement to each other. Two dudes who blocked well from the wide receiver position could do all of the different positions. Cup operated better out of the slot because of his movements. They're very awkward and jerky, and he puts a cornerback on his tail. And then you have Robert Woods, who was so silky smooth in his route combos that from the exterior, he would just give the business to cornerbacks. So, I've been a big Cooper Cup fan for years, but again... I'm just driving on the point that it's very hard to repeat as the number one player at a position um, in fantasy football. It's very difficult, um, whether it's injury related or just opportunity related. So I think Cup will still be a top five guy, clearly, but don't have him as number one. I have him at number two. I think he's still going to ball out this year. And then number three is Jamar Chase. Okay. So I will discuss this in a little bit when I talk about each of my drafts, but there is something that, and I haven't coined it. It's not my thing. I actually used it from like just hearing other stuff from other people, but I feel like I'm one of the first people to say it. I've just never heard it. That's why I'm saying that. Um, I'm using a approach this year in fantasy football drafts called hero wide receiver. So what does that mean? Generally, I've been picking, and literally I've picked 8th, ninth, or 10th in every draft I've done. I've done four drafts. I've picked 8th, ninth, or 10th. 10th twice, 8th uh, once, and ninth once. So I had seven running backs that I felt comfortable with, depending on the format. PPR, 6 to 7, 6, maybe 7. Um, standard leagues, 7. That I felt comfortable with taking the running back early on. And then those three wide receivers. So I was good to go in that 8 to 10 range. And because of how the board felt, fell, I should say, I ended up getting Jamar Chase a lot. Um, and I used that hero wide receiver approach. Here's what hero wide receiver is. It's basically you take a high-level wide receiver that you know is going to get targeted every week. They play in a high-level offense. Whether it's Justin Jefferson, who's going to play in a more pass-happy offense, but in a run-based offense, he's still destroyed. Cooper Cup, who just set every record and still has the same quarterback, coach, and year two with that combination. Jamar Chase, as a rookie, destroyed the NFL, has his college quarterback, and oh, by the way, his target share should probably go up. These three dudes, because of all the other caveats that happened with all the other high-quality receivers, the Devontae Adams and the Tyree Kills of the world, we don't know how that's going to look. I feel very comfortable with these three guys as my hero wide receiver. So I take one of those guys in the first round, and then I take several different, I try to double up on running backs in the second and third round, unless Kyle Pitts is there in the third round. 
um, and I take him because I don't want to go into trying to roll the dice on running backs like um, David Montgomery or Elijah Mitchell. Nothing against him, but it's just with this approach, I know I have a set and forget it wide receiver that's going to be there. So I can take more flyers later to see who actually takes off while I'm getting running backs that at least at worst have a healthy share of carries for their team or are used in the passing game often like an Aaron Jones. You know, if I'm if I'm if I use this approach and then I end up with the following running backs, I end up with Aaron Jones and James Conner. And then a little bit later I get like an AJ Dillon in the fifth round or sixth round. To me that's excellent. I think that's excellent. You're gonna have guys who are going to have the ball in their hands more often, but you also are able to rest on your laurels with that wide receiver unless something insane happens like an injury. But anyway, that's just the that's the hero wide receiver approach. But speaking of guy a guy who's been referred to as the number one receiver or best receiver in the game. He's at my number four. He's a step down from those three, but still really good. And that's Devontae Adams. You know, he's going to a quarterback that is going to target him. Derek Carr is an underrated quarterback. We've talked about this, and he's his old, like one of his best friends and his old college teammate. So he should still be high leverage, high level. I just don't know what it's going to look like, though. Number five is Stefan Diggs. Diggs had a really good season, just didn't have the touchdown production. If he had two more touchdowns, it would have made a lot more sense than the five that he had. And I think that Stephon Diggs, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up number one, two, three, four, but five is where I put him because I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up eight, nine, ten. So Stephon Diggs is right there. Great second round pick. C.D. Lamb is at number six. C.D. Lamb was up the charts for me earlier, but the injury concerns are real on that offensive line. I think you'll see more targets to Dallas uh, to uh, Dalton Schultz, excuse me. And you'll see more in running game and also quicker passes to some of the other receivers, probably utilizing two backs with t- uh, Tony Pollard as well. So you won't get as much from st- uh, C.D. Lamb as I expected. Number seven is Tyree Kill. I actually moved him up because I didn't know what they were going to do with Tyree Kill. You know, what if he, I didn't think he lost a step, but what if they didn't utilize him in a certain fashion. Then I saw one of the preseason games, uh, the last one where they targeted him five times in the first quarter. I was like, oh, okay. So they're going to look for Tyreek Hill quite a bit. So he's at number seven. Again, just because those other guys have a little more trust in how they're going to be utilized, but Tyreek Hill is still going to be a beast. My number eight guy is a guy that I don't feel as comfortable with right now, but at the same point in time, it's hard to drop him down, and that's Debo Samuel. You know, there's a lot of talk about Brandon Ayuk and all this. It could also just be smoke. Uh, Debo Samuel is that dude. He was at South Carolina. Um, remember seeing him return a kick, and I'm like, man, this dude is nice. He is by far the best player on the South Carolina team. And when he came out, I thought he was an upgraded version of Jarvis Landry. That was actually my comp form. And so far in the league, he has been that, an upgraded version of Jarvis Landry. And he is killing the league. Number nine here is going to be Mike Evans. This is more of a season total thing. He's one of the most erratic players here. A lot of touchdowns. think he's gotten at least 12 touchdowns in each of the last like three years. Problem is, he'll also have a stinker of a game. So this is, by the way, based on season-long totals. Just know that with Mike Evans, you'll get a lot of variability 
So Mike Evans is not one of those people that I would use in that hero wide receiver conversation, but he is a great number two wide receiver. Excellent. Or a, a really good number one wide receiver if you decide to go receiver heavy uh, in your drafts and you get guys with uh, high floors. Deontay Johnson's here at number 10. And Deontay Johnson is just so good. If you saw that preseason game against the Lions, he made an, a great catch on the sideline. Did hurt his shoulder. Really good throw by Mitch Trubisky. But a better catch by Deontay Johnson. He is still that dude, and I think he's just going to go off. He is a, a, an accelerating and escalating guy, in my opinion. And then just a couple other guys to mention. Uh, DJ Moore. I have him here at 14. I think DJ Moore is going to go off this year. Um, the touchdown thing has been a real issue, but I expect that to go up this year. I wouldn't bet on it because, you know, after three straight seasons, four touchdowns, literally four, four, and four. It's hard to say he's going to get like seven, eight, or nine. So I have to see it. That's why I hedged a little bit here, but he could clearly be a top 10 wide receiver. Another guy I want to bring up, Cortland Sutton at 18. Sutton is definitely looking like Russell Wilson's number one guy. It's a guy who, honestly, you should be paying a little more attention to in your drafts. Next guy is at 23. It's Hunter Renfro. Again, Hunter Renfro is just a dude who, especially in PPR formats, he's going to... He's the perfect player to pair with a guy like Mike Evans because Hunter Renfro is going to be 7-91 and 91 each week. He might not get a touchdown, but he'll get you 16 points each week. Guess what? Mike Evans on that week might get you, you know, 7 points. And then the next week, he gets you 27. Hunter Renfro's still going to get you that 16. So good one to look out for as well. And another guy I want to mention at 30, Gabe Davis. I think he's going to have a really good season, but I think the Gabe Davis hype has gone a little bit too far. I actually today watched that playoff game between the Bills and the Chiefs. By the way, the Chiefs looked like the better team the entire time. Josh Allen looked like that dude that day, which kudos to him. He balled out. Gabe Davis looked really good, but... Kind of reminds me of uh, what's his name? He used to be a free safety. I think it was Dexter Jackson, free safety for the Bucks. He had like a four interception game, and then in the Super Bowl he had uh, two picks. I think one was pick six. And like big contract. I'm like, don't let the smooth taste fool you. Same thing here with Gabe Davis. He can be a talented guy, but the lasting memory is he had four touchdowns in a playoff game, and I think that's overrating him just a little bit. All right. I want to move on to the tight end position. And this is the hardest one to, to rank and grade in some respects, but also the easiest. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that it's easy to rank certain guys high in this one and know where the cutoff is. But when you start to get down to like 7, 8, 9, 10, it starts to get murky and don't even try to rank them past like 13. But, hey, I tried. So I'm going to start off and I'm going to go with my number one pick. The number one tight end is Travis Kelsey. You know why? Because he has been a number one tight end. Why wouldn't he be? Okay? He's going to lead the team in targets. He's going to get a lot of reception. He'll probably have 100 receptions this year. You know why? Vacated targets. Travis Kelsey also get touchdowns. He might not be as explosive as he used to be. But guess who was still fantasy relevant? Even when he came out of retirement, to some extent, he was fantasy relevant. Jason Witten. Travis Kelsey's a lot more athletic than Jason Witten was, even when Jason Witten was younger than Travis Kelsey is now. Number two guy is Mark Andrews. I do think Mark Andrews is still going to be a touchdown monster. He'll probably get like nine or ten this season. But I just don't think he'll have as many receptions. I think this team will not have to pass the ball as much. I think they will get a little more Rashad Bateman going. I actually think that some of those other receivers and tight ends like Isaiah Likely will get more targets. And I think Mark Andrews is 
Prime for about 88 to 90 receptions, right in that range. Still a good season. 1,000 yards, 9 touchdowns. That's excellent. Still worth a, a early second round pick, but I just, I'm going to go with Kelsey. I just, I'm going to go with the passing offense over the run-based offense. That's no shade to Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Trust me, if it sounds like shade, you have not listened to me for long enough. Number three is Kyle Pitts. This is me hedging because of quarterback play. Um, at this stage, Marcus Mariota is a really nice guy who hopefully gets back to form, but I haven't seen it in a long time. And Desmond Ritter, who should probably be ingratiated into the starting lineup eventually, it's going to take time for him to get there. And if that's the case, Kyle Pitts will be held back by quarterback play. But Kyle Pitts has the opportunity, if quarterback play is effective, to be the number one overall tight end. Number four is Dalton Schultz. Like I said, this went up some because of several factors, including the fact that they have some issues on the offensive line. I expect that Dalton Schultz will get out as a release valve for uh, Dak Prescott. And if that's the case, PPR, receptions, they count. Uh, But also Darren Waller's health. You know, Darren Waller is an uber talent, probably the most talented tight end in the entire NFL, and that includes Kyle Pitts, because if you've seen Darren Waller, Dude looks like a freaking monster. He's not a real person. But injury concerns. So Dalton Schultz is number four here. But number five is Darren Waller. The talent's just too good for me to say Darren Waller will not be a guy who should be utilized in this particular system. Number six is TJ Hawkinson. And this is more pedigree than anything. Uh, Hawkinson was injured off and on last year. He's a top 10 pick. They're going to throw him the ball. Jared Goff wanted to throw on the ball. He just wasn't on the field at points in time. So he had to go to other places, including Amara St. Brown and including um, DeAndre Swift. But I think you're going to get more out of TJ Hawkinson this time. Now, my number seven guy is a guy who, one of the better tight ends that scouted coming out of college, that's Dallas Goddard. Um, I think that he's going to do really well this year. I think that he could easily be number uh, even up to four. Probably seven is a good place for him. I just don't know how the the target distribution is going to go with Dallas Goddard and also touchdown equity here. Because again, A.J. Brown, type of guy, you get the ball in his hands, he'll take it to the house. They didn't really have that last year, even though Devonta Smith is really talented. He just needs to get his feet wet. Um, So maybe he improves as well. And then near the goal line, by the way, Jalen Hurts, a lot of opportunity to get in there. So that's one of the things that kind of limits Dallas Goddard here. Out of respect for who he is when he's on the field, I put him at eight, but I still don't feel comfortable with it. And that's George Kittle. Um, I don't know how this offense is going to look with Trey Lance. I might actually be too high on George Kittle here. I literally on the fly might drop him down to 10. But right now in these rankings, he is number eight. Um, I just I don't know what's going to go on here and also the health concerns. So George Kittle is someone who you can draft. Because of the name value, you probably won't be getting him. If you get George Kittle in your draft, it's because you have a lot of sharp people who let him drop a certain place. Number nine is Zach Ertz here. I think Ertz will be a large part of this offense, to be candid, especially early on. I know that he's injured um, and is questionable for week one. I think he plays, but by week two, I think he'll be fine. Um, And Ertz should get the targets that he needs and get some points up on the board. I wouldn't be shocked if Ertz has more receiving touchdowns this year than George Kittle. And then my number 10 guy is a guy who, honestly, I tried to get some equity in a couple of leagues. I only got him in one. I think he's going to have a breakout year tight end in year three, and that's Cole Komet. Um, 
when you get drafted, I believe you win the second round, and you have a rapport with a young quarterback, and you are coming into your own in a position that usually takes some time for you to get good at, I think he is primed for a breakout. So watch for Cole Komet to ball out this year. All right, some other guys to mention. Um, Hunter Henry, well, I'll start with Pat Fryermuth. He's at 11. Part of it is just I don't know how this offense is going to look, and they have to feed some other guys. Uh, George Pickens is flying up boards as well, and he might get more targets, so I don't know how many targets Fryermuth will get. I know he's talented, but part of it might have been Ben Marthasberger not wanting to push the ball down the field, and Trubisky and Pickett may be more apt to do that. Hunter Henry at 12. He scored a lot of touchdowns. I don't think that's going to happen this year. That's going to depress his value, and that's why I have him at 12, but mm, 13, actually, Dawson Knox. I don't think Dawson Knox is... He's ranked higher than I think he's actually going to finish, only based on that offense. I think it's going to be a really good offense, obviously, but I don't think Dawson Knox is the type of tight end that takes over games. And then the last one I want to talk about, actually two more, Irv Smith. We're in a two tight end league or anything like that. I'm in a league that requires you to have three tight ends on your roster. I have Irv Smith on one of those rosters because I think he's playable on weeks even when you have to start another tight end. And then Mike Gusecki, moving down boards, and reasonably so. Um, he was the, the Mike Evans of the tight end position last year. A lot of erratic play, but also this year, not in the same offense, and they're not going to use him as a big slot receiver. They're going to try to use him as a tight end, and I don't think that's going to be helpful to him. All right, let's go through these defenses really quickly, and then I want to give you kind of an overview on how to draft and then some of my draft moves uh, this this season. All right, so defensive rankings, I'll give you a quick overview of these uh, in my top 10. So I'll go with number one, the New Orleans Saints. They have a softer schedule, you know, getting to play Atlanta twice, Carolina twice, even though they're improved with uh with Baker Mayfield, but they just have a softer schedule. And also, one of the high-flying offenses they play, they play really well against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's why I have them at number one. Number two, the Buffalo Bills. I think that they have a stellar defense. They may even be more talented than the Saints. The problem is they play a lot of good rosters and good teams. They even start the season with the Rams, which is just insane. So I think that the Bills will have some struggles with certain teams, which for points on the season is not going to bode as well. That's why I don't have them number one. I have them number two. Number three is the Baltimore Ravens. Remember, they have a third or fourth place schedule. Can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's third place. Either way, this is a team that they're healthy now. If they get to play all of those teams that aren't as good and they get to play against the Jets of the world, they should do extremely well, especially with having an offense that runs the clock and runs it out You don't have as many defensive possessions to be on the field. That bodes well for any defensive unit. Number four, San Francisco 49ers. Same thing. They have a third-place schedule. Guess what's going to happen with a third-place schedule with a team that's that talented and improved their defense? Should be very good. By the way, also run-based. Less possessions to be on the field. The Bills have to suffer with something like that because their offense is more quick-scoring in nature. Number five, the Green Bay Packers. Part of it is their division. They do get to play Detroit twice. They do get to play the Bears twice. They do get to play the Vikings twice, which we don't know what the Vikings are going to look like early on. It's good that the Packers get them early on because this could be one of the reasons that their defense is going to be good. They get some of those opponents that are trying to figure things out earlier in the season. Number six is the Rams. This was just out of respect for what they've put together. Having the top corner in the NFL, the top defensive lineman in the NFL, adding one of the best middle linebackers, 
think on all three levels that they should be effective. And this is the type of team, their defense, they don't get a lot of turnovers, not even a lot of sacks, but what they do is they don't let you score points. Number seven is in the same stadium. That's the, the Chargers. They have a very soft schedule. I think they have the easiest schedule virtually in the, NFL, in the AFC at least. Uh, one of the easiest in the NFL. And they added in Khalil Mack. They should be better on defense this year. Number eight, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Part of this is what you're getting from the New Orleans Saints as well. The schedule does play into their favor. They're also a good defense. Not excellent, but they're really good. Number nine, Pittsburgh Steelers. The Miles Jack uh, addition was helpful. And I just think in general, they are always a good defensive team. Even when that team was horrible a couple of years ago um, across the board and had Duck Hodges starting games, the defense was still good and carried them. They should only be good again because that's how they roll. And then number 10, and unfortunately, this could and should be changed, but I left them where they were. Number 10 is the Tennessee Titans. You know, Harold Landry tore his ACL last last week. Um, I could literally move them down, but I do like their schedule on the defensive side. And I think they're a sneaky and tricky defense. They do confuse people, and they do get turnovers, and they don't give up a lot of points. That's one of the things you want. You get penalized if your defense gives up too much, many points. You get negative points from your defense if they give up too many points. Um, defense look out for to, to well, kind of sneaky defenses. Uh, the Cowboys, they're in a lot of people's top 10. I have them at number 12. I don't think they'll get as many turnovers as they got last year. Number 17, I like what they're putting on film in Miami. I think that Miami is going to be a good defense out there. And then quiet is kept. The Colts. The Colts had some struggles stopping the run, but I don't think they'll have struggles stopping the pass. I think that they'll be a pretty good defensive unit this year as well. All right, folks, let's move into the things for your draft. Again, this is mostly for newbies, but it's also a good refresher, kind of keep you in your mindset um, if you're kind of a veteran. All right, the number one thing, and I did this literally, even myself, a person who assesses fantasy football. I had to do this during a draft, the first two drafts that I did of the season. Know the rules. You can look over the rules initially, but if you have the opportunity in the draft, and it's super simple on like an ESPN app, other apps, it's, it's fairly simple as well. When you open up the draft room, you have your players, but you also have the rules. You can pivot between them to see. Some, and I'll talk about each league, but some leagues have specialty rules. Some just have generic rules where it's, you know, one point for a reception and uh, you get a full point for each 10 yards receiving or rushing. But then there's also little things like a bonus for 40 yard touchdown plays or 50 yard touchdown plays. Or if you have a 100 yard receiving game or rushing game, 200 yard receiving or rushing game. Um, one of the ones that stuck out that I did, um, they had 1.5 points for each 10 completions in a game. So I wanted to get a quarterback that you know, I didn't want to get a Lamar Jackson at least. I want to get like a Tom Brady, someone who's going to complete a lot of passes because that's their MO, a lot of drop-offs and dumps. So know your rules. Number two, stick to your guns. You know, if you have an approach going into the draft, this is more so for the people who play before than the newbies. Stick to your guns. You know, you can get flustered out there and the draft doesn't go the way you want it to. So if you had a draft board and an approach, Stick to it. Um, don't try to reach draft value. because You never know. It's better for you to get 
a really good um, running back, even though if you're stacked at running back because he slid down the board. Um, I got Derrick Henry in the fourth round back in 2019 because he slid down the board. Unexpected. So instead of going wide receiver because I already had three running backs, I took Derrick Henry. You know, just stick to your guns. Don't get flustered when you're out there drafting and think you need to reach to go get something. You don't. The only thing you need to do is make sure that person is active week one because that's the only thing that should negatively impact you. But if they're active, good to go. Number three, this is a game and it is for fun. I know that people pay for money and things like that. I'm not saying that, you know, that's not important here by any means. But this is a game and it's supposed to be fun. So one thing I say is pick players that you like or love when it's even. So if you have two players and you're like, ooh, he's a little better, but he's from a team I don't like, and then a guy on my team, like I'll put it like this, Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara are there. And I'm like, Austin Eckler might score more points this year. He's a little higher on my board, but only by one position. I'm going to take Alvin Kamara because I'm a Saints fan and I'm going to watch those games and I'm going to actually enjoy watching him score for my team. Because again, this is a game at the end of the day. So you need to enjoy it on some level. So yes, go with the players you like or love. And this is again for the people who've played more, but newbies, pay attention. Know your league. What do I mean by that? The more you play in a league, you get you start to see tendencies by people. Is it a, a league where the players in your league draft quarterbacks early? Or they go running back heavy early? Or they like to go with wide receivers and they go quote-unquote zero RB. So you can, by the way, zero RB, for those who don't know, just means it doesn't mean you never take a running back. It just means instead of trying to grab an elite running back early or reaching for a running back, you allow for other positions like wide receiver or even an elite tight end to fall to you. And you take running backs later who have good opportunities. Um, example, Brian Robinson out of Washington. Um, before he started flying up boards, Damian Pierce from uh, Houston. So know your league. That's a that's something that you should do. Generally, when I get in leagues, I don't do poorly, but I don't do as well as I could year one. But year two is usually when I take off. And I've actually won three of the last four leagues I've joined. I've won in year two. There's some year twos for this year that are coming up for me. So let's see if that trend holds. So that's just some general rules. There's nothing nothing too guidelines, I should say, not rules. General guidelines. Nothing too extravagant there. It's just more so you need to just do those things. Know what you're doing as far as like what can affect you, a.k.a. the rules. Stick to your gun. Stick to your gut. Because, again, it's your team. Number three, pick players you'd rather see or you enjoy, especially if you're not just getting new to this game and introduced. And then also... Know your league. Pay attention. All right. So, just going to go over a couple of drafts that happened. So, I'm going to go over the first one, and I'm going to go in reverse order. This is the most recent one. I did this one on, I believe it was the 31st, so Wednesday of last week. And it's a league I've been in for some time. It's a live draft league, which if you've never done a live draft league, they're super fun. Started doing it on the clock where, you know, it's counting down a minute or a minute and 30 seconds each pick. And, you know, you're just sitting there in a room by yourself or even with some people. You get to dictate the amount of time. Obviously, no one wants you to take 35 minutes, but you get to take four, five, six minutes if you need to. 
and you get to talk crap and you put it up on the board and that's what we were doing we had a board up you got to put up the name of each player and all that stuff it's a good fun time but this is a what used to be referred to as standard league i refer to it as non-ppr now but again for those who aren't as familiar that just means that you don't get a point for a reception by a player okay so i drafted from the 10th position in this draft And this is where I'm going to tell you that you need to make sure that the draft board falls to you and you take advantage of the draft board when it does fall to you. So, why this is important? Again, picking 10th. I told you the approach of what I called hero wide receiver. This is actually one of the leagues where I use the hero wide receiver approach. So, I had seven running backs that I was comfortable with. I had three wide receivers I was comfortable with. And so it gets to me, and one of my favorite players in the NFL, Jamar Chase, was sitting there. So I took him at 10th. Knowing that there was an opportunity, based on all the rhetoric that's going on, that I would get a one of the running backs, and people were down talking, that would be a good, solid RB1, especially in a non-PPR format. So at 15, in a 12-team league, right back around me, at number 15, I got Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is a bell cow running back for an offense that wants to run no, he doesn't get reception. So in a PPR, point per reception league, not as good of a pick. But in this type of league, a non-PPR league, thought it was a decent pick. Then I got the wrap. So 10th pick of the third round, 34th overall, I took Zeke Elliott. Same thing. If Zeke Elliott's my number one running back, I might be a little leery. But as a number two running back on my, my team, he's going to get 70% of the running back carries. At least 60%, probably closer to 70 I thought that was a good pick from the perspective that he's going to get volume. Volume is king. Volume, quote-unquote, opportunity is a better way to put it, and talent. Those are the two things you look for with fantasy football. And then I went a little off the kilter. I actually said to one of my friends earlier in the day, I'll never get this guy. And I ended up getting him. I took Josh Allen in the fourth round. I said, and I quote, I'm probably not going to get Josh Allen in any draft because he's going in the third round in a lot of drafts out uh, of 12 team leagues. I wouldn't take Josh Allen other than the fourth round, Mahomes in the fifth, and then the Lamar Jacksons and Herberts in the sixth, and so on and so forth. Lo and behold, in the fourth round, Josh Allen's sitting there, so I took him. Um, fly through these real quick. Took A.J. Dillon at the 58th pick in the fifth round. Again, I think A.J. Dillon's going to lead that team in running back carries, especially goal line work. Sixth round, 63rd pick, I took Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson, as you saw, in a PPR format, is still my number 10 receiver. In a non-PPR format, I think he floats between 10 and 15th. I think he is a good, solid wide receiver, too, um, with wide receiver one upside. Seventh round, Dalton Schultz. Again, my number four tight end. I believe that he's going to have a really good season. And then I went a little wacky here. And this is where I said, stick to your guns, trust your gut. I let the board follow me knowing that I didn't want to reach for players. Um, I took Kyler Murray. Now, a lot of people would say that's insane. You already have Josh Allen. Guess what? Now I have two badass quarterbacks. The thing that works out, because people like to think about their own team a lot. It's like, well, you'll go through hell trying to figure out who to start each week. No, I won't. You know why? I will go through less hell knowing that someone else out there has a top five quarterback. Because he's sitting on my bench. 
plus he's trade bait, but I might not trade him at all. And just to fly through him, ninth round, Tyler Lockett, 10th round. I went with the New Orleans Saints defense. In this particular league, defense is king. It scores you a lot of points. You can win leagues off of defense. And also in this particular league, we only get, I believe it's 20 transactions during the regular season for the whole year. You have a transaction limit. So you can't what's called uh, stream defenses. You can't pick up a new defense each week because you really need to use those spots for when people get injured. Uh, 11th round, I took Tyler Ajir. Again, possible flyer guy that um, is my fourth running back. He could be the starting running back on a run-based offense to end the season. You never know. 12th round, I took Devontae Parker. That would be my number four wide receiver. Taking a number four wide receiver there who can be the number one wide receiver on a team, he is a great bi-week fill-in type guy. 13th round, I took King and Drake. At that time, we don't know. He was just signed that day. We don't know what type of success that uh, they're going to have with uh, J.K. Dobbins' injury and him coming back from it. 14th round, I took the Chargers. There was nothing else that stood out as a positive pick at that particular time. So I took him. I took them. 15th round. This one was a steal, in my opinion, because no one paid attention. I'm like, let him keep falling. Let him keep falling. Let him keep falling. took Garrett Wilson from the Jets at the 178th overall pick in the 15th round. And then I took a kicker, Will Lutz. So, you know, they did the draft grades. This was Yahoo. I had an A- minus on that. Uh, highest grade of any of the teams. It's just one of the things that I felt good about was sticking to my guns. I wasn't going to reach for certain positions. I wasn't going to reach for certain players. And even though it's non-traditional to take two quarterbacks, again, I have two of the top, at worst, eight quarterbacks. But I think two of the top six, at least from how my rankings go. All right, the show's running a little long, folks, so I'm not going to get into any of the drafts. Again, I'm just going to say there's a lot of different types of leagues. As I described earlier, there's your traditional or standard or non-PPR league. Again, that's points per reception or a point per reception. There's half PPR leagues. There's full PPR leagues. There are IDP leagues where you select, again, Aaron Donald or like an individual defensive players. There's also best ball leagues where you select a team and then you don't set a lineup. It's just each position, the guy, the people who score the most points in each position, that's who does it for you? There's survivor leagues where if you win, you move on. Teams that lose, they're they they're out, and then their players go back in the pool, and people get to pick them up. There's vampire leagues where everyone drafts except for one player. That player is the vampire. They get to pick up whatever players they want off of the free agent pile. If they beat you, they get to take whatever player they want to from you. Um, however, it's structured. So there's a lot of different ways to play fantasy football. If you're getting in a rut and you've been playing the same type of leagues, switch it up. Feel free to reach out to me. I can give you some good pointers on things to do. There's auction leagues. There's a lot of different leagues. So again, running up against time, folks. I'm going to sign off. This is Chris James for Chopping Up with CJ. Fantasy Football Fridays done on Labor Day. Hope you all enjoyed your Labor Day. Again, my handle, just in case you haven't followed me, is at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. All right, folks. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day. Hopefully, uh, you got to do something fun with your family and friends or just relax. Take care. Bye-bye.